Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Hedge. I'm Steve Inman with The Game Day. Today, we have an awesome show for you. The madness is back, and we'll get to that. But Pro Hoops is where our heart is at to start. We have NBA insider Earl K. Sneed on. Earl, let's get into it. How are you? Well, well, how are you? Excited to talk to you. Obviously, you know, you, you cover the Dallas Mavericks. Let's get to them. Obviously, we've talked about this before the show. I'm a huge Nick fan, and I don't really feel sorry for their up and down season. They've obviously rebounded to a degree. You know, now they're that draft pick is not looking too great. It's you no know, 19, 20, 21. So, what's your takeaway from the season early on so far? Um, I, I feel like the Mavericks are starting to see the team they thought they would have uh, coming out of the bubble. They obviously. Exceeded expectations for the team last year going into the bubble. We we start to see uh, Luca transition from being the rookie of the year to second year player who looks like he's the next second coming. And then this year he didn't have the supporting cast. When you talk about Christoph Porzingis, he wasn't healthy until January. And then the Mavs get hit by COVID and health protocols more than any other team. They lose three starters. And then Jalen Bronson also coming off the bench. So now this team is healthy in the last 13, 14, 15 games. You're starting to see it add add up in the wins. And also, Luka looks like he's willing to put the team on his back even more so. And you're starting to see that in his stats. And Christoph Przingis is now looking like he's healthy. So this team is really rounded into shape. They're around that eight seed or so going into the weekend. But they have the lightest schedule post all-star break when you yeah. look at opponents win percentage. So I feel like they're about to move up the standings and not necessarily sit in the eight seed. Let's talk about Luca. You talked about him putting the team on his back right now. Obviously they're going to need more of that to make a playoff run here. Could you see that happening where he could lift them to a Western conference finals potentially? Uh, absolutely. He has that skill set. Uh, when you talk about a walking triple double, uh, what he's doing and he's, excelling not just as a scorer and a playmaker, but also you're starting to see him step up on the defensive end. Yeah. And he's not he's not known as a defender, but he's actually starting to step up and let me defend the other team's best perimeter player. So he knows he's going to have to put this team on his back. Uh, but also this team is 11-1, and one, I feel like, going into the weekend when they re- out-rebound their opponents. And wow. he's starting to step up and help out the post players, and that's why you're starting to see the triple doubles really add up because he knows he needs to help this team on the boards and also defensively. So I think he's going to put this team on his back offensively and defensively in the second half of the season. That stat to me tells me that they need another big man, right? Mm-hmm. Like Kristaps Porzingis is a big man, but he's not a great rebounder for his size. And obviously he's been in and out of the lineup the last couple of years, whether it was with the Knicks and now with Dallas. What is going on with him? Do you see him, you know, improving himself enough where he does not get traded? Uh, it's hard to say. Uh, it's also hard to say what he would bring back in return in a trade. I, I feel like they're a totally different team when he is healthy and is in the lineup. And we just run off his stats. He's averaging 20 and 8 easily. So uh, what he's bringing to the table offensively and on a glass, when you talked about it, he's not the world's greatest defender, but he's shooting from the logo like he's Steph Curry and Damian yeah. Litter on the offensive end. And he's just a totally the, – the name nickname Unicorn, like it fits him perfectly because he's able to do whatever he wants to do offensively. 
He's not a post-up guy, but you're starting to see him post up more than he did in previous seasons. So I feel like if he does stay, and I feel like the Mavs float stuff out there all the time just to see what they could potentially get back in return, I feel like he's going to stay with this team post-trade deadline. But I feel like he's going to have to step up and be that guy that Luka didn't have in the bubble going against the Clippers. He needed that second guy, and I feel like Christoph Porzingis will be that going for the second half of the season and also going into the playoffs. It's hard to find a trade where you can match salaries with Chris Stapps and also improve the team, right? Like we've we've speculated on this show that like, hey, a Kemba Walker for Porzingis deal kind of makes sense in some way, but it doesn't really, you're not sure if that's actually going to help either side, right? So I'm curious if you thought of any kind of trades that they could send Porzingis out and somehow improve this roster. That's the thing. When you have Luka, the only way that you can improve the team is having a versatile big man, and that's yeah. Christoph Porzingis. You can't bring in a Kimball Walker who dominates the ball just like Luka does. So exactly. There's not a perfect fit, honestly, out there. I feel like you need a healthy Christoph Porzingis more than you need to shop him in a train. So do you see any kind of smaller moves for Dallas at the deadline? Obviously, they could use some help. We mentioned a big guy. You know, you could use another shooter. They lost Seth Curry. I think they've missed him more than people have let on this season. Do you see any kind of move like that where they can go add another shooter or another big? I think this team always looks to add shooting uh, uh, from any position. But uh, also, I feel like um, when you don't have a guy like uh, a big who who was out for three weeks, yeah. and I'm talking about uh, the guy from Germany, um, whose name is slipping my mind right now. Dwight Powell? Um, oh, Kleba, no, no, Maxi Kleba. Kleba, Maxi yeah. Kleba, I'm sorry. Maxi yeah. Kleba, I feel like he's the guy that you need in terms of on the boards, he's the team's best rebounder. He's a versatile big who can guard on the perimeter and also down low. So I feel like he, him not being in the lineup because of COVID for three weeks, it really impacted this team. So I think him healthy now, uh, you don't have to ship, you don't have to shop trying to get a, a big guy on the market, on the trade market, because you have a healthy Maxi Kleba now. Is a healthy like, Maxi Kleba enough, though? Like, is he is he a guy who could start for you for a Western Conference Finals team? You would think not. Right. <laughs> but on this team, you don't need a lot, I feel like, if you have Luka who's healthy and you have KP who's healthy. You need the right components to play around those guys. And I feel like Maxi is perfect for that. I feel like Dwight Powell is the role big that you need going to the basket and finishing above the rim. So that's not necessarily what I was shot for on the market, but I, like you mentioned, Seth Curry, the loss of him, this team is impacted more than they ever thought they would be yeah. when they made the trade. That hasn't worked out the way they thought it would so far. Right. And he was a tremendous ball handler as much as he was as a shooter. So uh, guys that play off the board, guys that create opportunities for Luca to play off the ball, you don't have that now. Luca has to dominate the ball. So I would say uh, trying to find another uh, guard that can come off the bench or another guard that can uh, spot shooting on this team would really be helpful. And that might be something that the Mavs look to do at the trade deadline. 
All right, Earl, we have this promotion here at the game day going on right now. It's who will win in a fight. We have a whole bracket going. You can find it on our Instagram, on the game day, on the stories. And the deal is every major athlete across, you know, football, basketball, some hockey guys, they're in a bracket, a a battle style royale, if you will. And uh, the number one seed right now is Aaron Donald. And so I want to ask you, you've seen the bracket. Could you see, you know, who would you take to win on this? Uh, I'm never going to go against Aaron Donald <laughs> for, for anything. Uh, I, I did see that the number one seed uh, on one side of the bracket, at least, was uh, Stephen Adams. Yeah. And, and if you talk to any NBA player, they would say running into that guy when he sets the screen is like running into a brick wall. So I don't, I don't have a problem with that. But I will throw another name out there that wasn't on the bracket. Love it. And that's J- James Johnson. A lot of people don't realize he's a second-degree karate black belt. And also his dad was a black belt. So I feel like he comes from a lineage of uh, assault (laughs) killers uh, if they need to defend themselves. So that's a guy that I would take number one in my bracket, and I don't see him on the bracket. We definitely have to make a underrated guys bracket, not just stars for the next one. You know, we already had some DMs going. You didn't have enough hockey guys in there, right? We're getting all these messages like that. So James Johnson's going to be in there. We got hockey guys in there. We have a lot of great feedback for next year's bracket. Sounds good. Yeah, I I can't wait to see that. All right, so let's talk about the real bracket real quick. Obviously, March Madness is in full effect. I'm taking Gonzaga. You know, I feel like they have at least three professionals on the team, including Jalen Suggs, who's going to be one of the you know top three picks in this draft. Who are you taking? Uh, it, I would normally go with the Zags. I feel like they're the best team in the tournament, but I don't think a team has gone undefeated and won the tournament. Uh, since like 1970 or 1973 or so. Yeah. Uh, so I will say uh, the Baylor Bears, I felt like most of the season they were right there. They, they tailed off towards the end of the season. They were right there with Gonzaga. And I feel like they have four or five guards, and that's what you need in tournament play. They have four or five guards that can get on the roll. And so I have to go with the Texas team. Uh, even though they're in the Big 12, I went to OU. Uh, OU tailed off, so I'm not going to pick them, obviously. But I would say the Baylor Bears, I would pick to actually win the whole thing. Earl, thank you so much. Really appreciate you coming on the hedge here. What can we plug for you before we wrap it up? Um, you can find me on my social, at Earl K. Sneed, on Twitter and Instagram. And I have some things coming uh, fairly soon, but I can't get into it right now. So just make sure you check me out on my social and uh, stay tuned. And hopefully you have, have me back on the hedge. Next up here on The Hedge, Jared Sollinger is here to talk a little NBA trade deadline and, of course, the tragic end to the Ohio Buckeye season. Other than that, Jared, how are you? I'm doing great, man. I'm over here in South Korea uh, playing in the KBL and just enjoying being back playing basketball again. So how long have you been over there? Uh, I've been here for about a month now. About a month. I got got over here in about February. had to do a two-week quarantine, uh, mandatory by the government. And uh, after that, it was just... They let me fly. I mean, that's got to be crazy, right? I mean, you're having a quarantine, you're having coronavirus, you know, situation, and you're playing in another country right now. That's got to be even crazier than what we're going through here in New York. It is crazy, but at the same time, the cases are so low uh, here in South Korea that, you know, there's not really much to bug about. And then on top of that, everybody wears a mask. You don't have really, there's no anti-maskers here. So are you learning like the language, the culture? What have you learned in your short time there? Uh, the language is hard to learn. 
honestly. The language is hard to learn. And then the culture is just, you know, the people are really nice here. They're really nice. Um, you know, my team really took me in and uh, really helped me out to get used to not only the KBL, but to the country. That is that is great to hear. We'll have to keep following along to see how you play over there. Let's get to the trade deadline before we hit on your Buckeyes. You've been dealt yourself. I mean, I'm sure this isn't, isn't fun to talk about, but how does it feel being traded? Uh, it's tough, man. When you, you know, you got everything going uh, in the city, you don't know if you're going to be traded. For me, I got traded after the after the deadline so like as long as teams are speaking before the deadline or trying to make a deal um they can make a deal up to i want to say an hour to two hours after the trade deadline uh and i got i got traded right after practice so um it's it's tough because you know you just don't know what's going on going on you kind of see your name in in the papers and the rumors and all that good stuff but you just got to control what you can control and that's being a basketball player and it doesn't matter if you're you know with a certain team or with a different team, you just got to, you just got to be able to play. Now is your agent throughout that process saying, Hey, we're hearing you might be traded here or there, or is it really no, it was a big surprise right after the deadline. It, it wasn't a real big surprise because I was coming off of uh, my foot surgery. I wasn't in the best of shape. And um, my, my, my team, my, my team, my agent was basically saying like, listen, if you don't get traded, you're probably going to get waived. And so I was just in one of those situations where it was only a matter of time of if I was going to get traded or if I was going to get waived and go and try to find somewhere else to play. All right. So obviously this trade deadline is coming up. Who do you see as the best player getting traded before the deadline? Honestly, I, I can honestly see Kyle Lowry getting traded um, just because, you know, where their season is, how it's going. And you got to you got to give a, a, a lot of credit to these basketball players yeah. if, with all the stuff that's going on. There's limited practices. There's limited interaction. There's limited film sessions. So, you know, certain players um, and teams need that type of camaraderie to become a, a, a great basketball team. And I just think, you know, with Kyle Lowry at the age that he's at, um, you know, with the with the value that he holds, I think he'll be a big time value to a, a championship type team. It's crazy that, you know, this Raptor team, right, they're playing in Tampa. They didn't know whether they were going to be able to go back to Canada. Do you feel like they should hold on to a guy like Lowry because of how much he's worth to that franchise? Or you think you might as well get something for him since they're not going to probably resign? Him? At, I mean, at this point, it's that Kyle Lowry's wish. You yeah. know, he did everything he needed to do for that for that uh, franchise. And I just think, you know, Kyle Lowry gets to make that call I, at the end of the day. If he wants to be traded, he can get tra- he should be able to get traded just because of everything he did. Um, for the franchise. I totally think that's 100% true. You know, obviously he's a Villanova guy. You wonder if he makes a lot of sense for the Sixers and you put him on that Sixer team, you know, maybe you send out Tyrese Maxey or a first round pick, but you know, you put Lowry Simmons and Bead together. That's a pretty fun team that could probably give you the Nets a seven game series. Also, he knows how to win. He knows how to win. He's a competitor. He he puts everything on the line. So I, I can I could see that happening, but at the same time, you just never know in the NBA. You just never know what team will want him. I can honestly see him with the Bucks, possibly. You know, everybody can make a everybody can make a push for him just because of you know his championship pedigree and his will to win. Yeah, no, he's a guy who can fit on a lot of good teams, and all of a sudden you talk about him finding a way to win another championship. He goes down as a pretty special player, winning one in Toronto and then maybe Philly or Milwaukee, as you said. Yeah, he's he's really special just because he plays the right way. You you don't get that often. Yeah, I mean I'm a, I'm a big Nick fan here. We haven't had a point guard in 20 years. You you've you've seen these rosters they put out there. So if he wants to come to the Knicks on a big deal as a 
you know, an aging vet. I wouldn't hate that either. Yeah. That, I mean, that would be a good look as well. Yeah. All right. Let's definitely not least, but let's talk about the Ohio state Buckeyes. A lot of people, including myself thought this could be their year. You know, they crash out of the tournament to 15 seed oral Roberts. What happened, Jared? Uh, what happened was March, you know, when in the game of Mar- in, the, in the game of basketball, March is always the biggest time where teams find themselves. And I think Clark Kellogg said it best, you know, teams, they're, they're not the teams that you normally see throughout the regular season. Um, you know, some teams gel totally differently right. uh, in, in the month of March. And so you just got like, I thought, you know, the two guys, they killed us. Abel's uh, and um, I forget the other big's name. And we just didn't shoot the ball well. We didn't shoot the ball well. And, and, and defensively, I thought we didn't play our greatest. But that you got to give credit to Oral Roberts. Do you see Oral Roberts now going on a, a big run here, or do you think that was kind of the, the only one they're going to get? I think, you know, they have they have a lot of shot shot takers and shot maker, makers ability uh, in, in all their guys. They have a very good um, um, core group of guys that, that play the right way. And as long as you got the guys that play the right way and, and are playing unselfish for the team, that's all you can ask for. You reached the Final Four while you were with the Buckeyes. Do you have any great stories from that incredible experience? We had a tough time in between um, with Big Ten play towards the late of the year. And I remember Coach Mata bringing us together. And he goes, guys, we can either win or we can lose. Pick one. And that's all he told us. That fired you up. That is that is that was it. That, is that was great. it. And, then, and, and that just woke us up. That woke us up ASAP. And, and guys was ready to play. Um, I think guys really hold into their roles. Lindell Smith Jr. against Syracuse, he gets hit in the eye, mind you. He needed yeah. stitches. He gets stitches, eyes eyes closed, and he comes in, hits two big threes. I think he finished the game with like 18 or 21 points or something like that. And and he just caught, he caught fire after he got hit in the eye. It was just like got, like we had so many guys that showed up in big games when we needed them, not just me, not just Aaron Kraft, not just William Buford, but it was just countless amount of guys that just showed up in big games. Amir Williams showed up in the big game. Shannon Scott has did the same thing. Uh, uh, Evan Ravenel showed yeah. up in the big game. So, our, you know, when you got guys that play their roles and still show up in big games like that, that's huge for, for a team to make a Final Four run. Now, obviously, Ohio State is not going to win this year. Who is now your new pick to win it all? I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, I really don't know just because I think college basketball is that wide open. Yeah. Um, you know, you got, you got, I, I, I like Michigan as bad as that sounds coming from Ohio State Buckeye. I like Michigan, but you know, livers had the stress fracture. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to balance the team, you know, without having livers. Um, and then you got Gonzaga that's playing really, really well. Baylor, of course, you have so many different teams that could, could possibly win this. You know, LaLoya is looking great with Sister Jean on their yeah, side. How do you beat so, that? I mean, it's hard to beat somebody like that, but, you know, it's just, it's college basketball is so wide open. Syracuse is another one that's playing great basketball as of late. Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, last but not least, let's talk a little bit about EJ Liddell. I don't know if you're familiar with his story, but obviously as a college basketball player, you guys aren't getting paid. And just to have something like that, you know, how do you feel about something like that? It comes with the territory. It just comes with the territory. When, when you're like considered a blue blood yeah. of college basketball, um, you know, being a higher seed, you know, it's like people just see it as, you know, them, be, them being the number two seed, them losing the Oral Roberts at 15, it's not supposed to happen. Right. 
But it's March Madness. It's any given day that you can lose to any given team. You, if you're not playing your best on that day, that happens. It just, it's natural. And I think sometimes with with basketball players, with football players, with baseball players, all the entertainment business, I think they just see us as entertainers and not as human beings. Yeah. So we're we're supposed to be these robots that don't have no heart, don't have no feelings. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I have a family I have to go to. I have, you know, a sister, a brother, a mother, a father. Like, you won't, you wouldn't want that to happen to you or somebody else. What makes you think it's okay for it to happen to me because you see me on TV? That's not fair. I just think, you know, that being an athlete, being an entertainer, doing anything that, you know, puts you in the limelight, you get treated unfairly just because you see me. Yeah. No, I think that's 100% right. Just how do we get that word out there? You know, I mean, social media is a cesspool, as you know. How do we, like, remind people of these things? Because everyone knows it, but nobody really thinks about this before they, they say terrible things on the internet. There's there's nothing you can you can say or do because there's so many people that hide behind keyboards. So the more you hide, like, it's so easy for me to say something tough behind a keyboard because you know I'm not going to come looking for yeah. you. No, I think that's 100% right. I want to wrap it up on something a little more positive. Tell me who's going to win the NBA championship this year. That's another question I don't know. you got the Brooklyn Nets that's playing great basketball. You have um, the Lakers that was playing yeah. good basketball, but, you know, AD, AD was out and now LeBron's out. Right. So you don't know where they're going to be at in the in the polls. Um, you got the Utah Jazz is playing great basketball. The 76ers that's playing great basketball. you got Milwaukee that's always been there. They just can't get over the hump. There's so many good, the LA Clippers. I mean, there's so many good basketball teams that you can name. The Phoenix Suns look are looking really, really tough. Yeah. Like there's so many great basketball teams that, you know, again, to beat a team four times in a row or four times out of seven times, that's hard to do with, with all those great basketball minds because there's constant adjustments through games through each game, through each quarter, through each half. And it's just so hard to beat a team four times in seven games. I think I got to take the Nets right now. The way they're playing offensively is just we haven't seen this in a long time and they haven't been doing it with Kevin Durant. It's going to be really hard to say, hey, they're going to have four off shooting nights in seven game series, as you said. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, essentially when you got three great basketball players in KD, Kyrie and um, James Harden, you just don't know who's going to be that guy that night. And if you don't have enough de- defense and offense to counter counteract what they got, uh, that's just going to be that's just going to be one long series. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jared, thank you so, so much for doing this. We're going to let you go. I know it's a 12 hour time difference over there in Korea, so we'll let you go about your day. Is there anything we can plug for you before we wrap up the show? Go Bucks, regardless of the situation. Always go Bucks. There you go. That is going to do it for us here on The Hedge. A special thanks to Jared Sullinger and Earl K. Sneed. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at the Game Day Hoops and the Game Day CVB. Drop a comment. Let us know what you think, what you want us to talk about on the next episode of The Hedge, and we'll see you soon.